welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is your host, Sarah Hart Unger, and this is a podcast where we talk all things planning and planning adjacent. I will keep my intro short today because I have a really, really fun guest to welcome on the show today. I'll introduce her in a second, but I have spoken with her before and just find her so much fun to chat with. Like, honestly, I just... Would love to hang out with her. Maybe that sounds a little weird because I've never met her in real life, but she is just such a delight. And in this episode, we talk just kind of a natural, fun conversation about planning methods and her favorite tools and techniques and some of the aesthetic things that she does. And it was just a really fun conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you're interested, I also did a similar interview for her podcast, Edit Your Life. So I will provide a link to that when that comes out so that you can kind of hear her asking me similar questions. Um, Because yes, we did get to talk for what we called a podcast doubleheader. And it really was so much fun. So please enjoy the episode and I will be back with more next week. Well, I am so excited to welcome Dr. Christine Coe here. Sorry, she said I didn't have to say doctor, but I figured I might as well. She is a former music and brain scientist turned internet unicorn, and we are kind of like podcasting friends. So I got to chat with Christine on a really fun episode of the Mom Hour earlier this year where they did a little bit of a team thing where it was me and Christine and Sarah Powers, and then Kelsey Wharton did like an an offline part, and it was so much fun that Christine and I decided we had to be on each other's shows as well. So welcome, Christine. Thanks, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. So tell our listeners, well, I have a lot of planning-related questions, but I guess give them a little bit of background about all the balls you currently have in the air. Maybe not all of them, but a general idea so they can kind of understand a framework of like why you need to plan and, and what are the things that you have to plan these days. Yeah, sure. So I used to be in academia, as you mentioned, and now I'm not. <laughs> and I do juggle a lot of balls because I think I love having creative ideas. And then I continue to love them, but don't really have a great exit plan for them. (laughs) And so I just keep doing them and adding things. But anyway, most of my time is spent, I have a, I started on the internet with a blog called Boston Mamas that's still running to this day. It's like 15 years old, but I am the podcaster behind Edit Your Life. I used to co-host with Asha Dornfest and she retired after, at the end of last year. So I'm running the show solo with amazing guest you will be on the show, which I'm so excited about. And I also, I'm an author, I'm co-author of Minimalist Parenting, and I also am a creative director for Gebbin Communications. So I do a lot of social good stuff, just really finding creative and interesting ways for brands and organizations, especially, and I especially love nonprofits, to help them, you know, get a really interesting message and meaningful message out into the world in a really creative way. And then not to be gendered about this, I hope I would ask the same thing of all male guests as well, but I believe you have some things going on at home as well that you help to manage. Oh, yes. I have two children. (laughs) I have a 10-year-old and a 17-year-old. So at this particular point in time, you know, both of them are actually in big sort of milestone years. My younger daughter, Violet, will be graduating from elementary school. So we'll finally be, you know, leaving that zone of life. And my older daughter is going to be going to college next year. So we are in the waiting phase for that. And we did get a pandemic dog also. So we <laughs> that really changed the game. So yes, there are a lot of details to manage around here. Yeah. So it sounds like you have about four or five jobs plus an active home life with a lot of moving parts. So lots and lots to plan. 
Oh, and I forgot to mention, I have a wonderful husband who is a therapist and that proves very useful, though I try not to take advantage. (laughs) I love it. Yes, I love hearing your husband's wisdom sometimes on the show, sometimes either from him directly and sometimes through you. It's, It's always fun to listen to. So given that you have that many things going on, I would like you to take me on a journey of what planning rituals you are currently using to stay afloat, whether they are things you do each day, things you do on another type of cyclical basis, and give me general, although I do want to delve in specifically to some of your home strategies, because I can imagine the calendar management can get a little complicated at times. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think like you probably, I know I have a little window into your planning habits from what I know about you online and also from our awesome conversation on the mom hour, but I do live and breathe by my to-do lists and my calendar, uh, mostly from, because I just don't have the mental capacity (laughs) for holding a lot of things. I know Laura Vanderkam would be very upset to hear that I have these long to-do lists. I know she is much into a much more short to-do list, But the reality is in order for me, it reduces mental load for me to be very granular with my to-do list. So for example, if I have, I can't just put work on podcast, I need to break down what is exactly is happening that day. Am I recording? Am I editing? Am I writing show notes, et cetera? So everything gets broken way down. So I don't really have to think about it. And I basically interact with my to-do list and my calendar repeatedly through the day. It can be a little exhausting, but it really does help me keep on track with the different things I'm doing um, and just helps me make sure I tick all the boxes. So you're working straight off of your master to-do list with like a million things on it throughout the day. That's interesting. Are, is that via Todoist, if I remember correctly? Uh, yes, you- I, I do to do use Todoist. I will say that after our conversation with Sarah, I was really inspired by your paper and pen approach. And it's it's the sort of thing where I, I don't know if you recall, but I talked about having really bad handwriting and how I could never bullet journal and I admire people who bullet journal. But I actually started using an integrated approach after that conversation where I still live and breathe my digital to-doist list. But each day I start the day and just jot down in an actual notebook with a nice pen, really high level, like here are the three to five things I absolutely need to get done today. And here are the meeting anchor points. And that's, that's actually really, it's a lovely tactile experience. It's a lovely way to have just a real high level view of your day and, you know, keep my mind focused on what I need to get done big picture. So thank you for that. (laughs) I love that. And I think that is a really key point when you said to do list in the beginning, and you even said that Laura would be mad at you. I don't think she would be mad at you for having a master list that you are referring to. (laughs) I think what she is getting at is that some people will write themselves a 20-item to-do list for a day Mm -hmm. and then get angry at themselves like halfway through the day when they're like, wow, I can't do 20 things. Who knew? I mean, maybe you can. I can't. So, But it definitely sounds like you have found a hybrid way of having that list so that nothing gets lost and it's kind of like your collection, but then also zooming in on a day-to-day basis. And can you give me more details? So does that happen in the morning? And then tell our listeners who do want to know, or at least I want to know, what notebook, what pen, give us the specifics. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, so for the specifics of how I do it, I, I feel more, com- I kind of have like a couple levels of how I organize on a, on a day. I do over the weekend, like on a Sunday, I like to do you know, the week ahead, week look ahead, because it actually helps me actually in the book, Minimalist Parenting, we talk about kind of Goldilocks editing your week. So, you know, identifying which, which 
weeks have too many things, collecting a little data, for example. Um, so which weeks are just too busy, which are feel a little slow and which are just right and identifying what really works for your family. So for me, if I see that I'm really jammed in meetings and just not having enough time to actually do the work I need to do and have the creative space to think, then I will actually use that week look ahead to try to see if I can move some stuff around. So that's kind of like the sort of high level for the week. But then I actually like to look at the next day's to-do list as I'm closing out the day before, because I kind of want to know what's coming. I want to know what are my big meeting anchors. And then I try to position my meetings so that I have actual chunks of time because the attention switching, that's like the hardest thing for me, having to go from one thing to another. I'm sure you deal with this all day too, but you know, as a creative person, if I'm supposed to be brainstorming and coming up with like the next big groundbreaking idea, I can't do that in like 20 minutes. I need a little more time. So I do really try to work on blocking my schedule a little bit. And then also, you know, a big piece of figuring out when to do what is I peg, I know for me personally, the morning is when I'm the most energetic. It's when I'm the most creative. So I try to slot my creative work then. And then in the afternoon, I take care of like clerical nonsense, like billing and other things that require like zero brain cells. Totally agree. And I know that's not how everybody operates, but Mm -hmm. I do think it's pretty common to have your morning brain be like that fresh brain that's ready to take on all sorts of original things. And the afternoon brain is like, I need to do something. I'm just like clicking numbers in Excel or something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So yes. And you did not answer about the notebook and the pen. Oh, yes. Right, right, right. So I have um, a stack of, I can't even remember when I got them, but I'm also a little obsessed right now with decluttering and like using what I have versus (laughs) buying a lot of new things. But I have a stack of these paper covered moleskin sort of like half sheet size, like If you fold an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, I'm sure you have an official name for it. But just these lined moleskin notebooks, they're nice and small, so they can fit in, you know, a backpack or something. And then I don't have a, I don't know what the name of my specific pen, but I just like a nice rollerball that has like good ink flow. That's very important to me. I'll basically go through my, you know, everybody has the crap drawer full of a million pens that you've had. I, I recently went through and used them and figured out which ones I just hated the feel of. And I just, got rid of them. And then I have a couple that I really like the flow of. And I, those are the ones I turn to. Life is too short to use bad pens. (laughs) Hopefully you will let me know in the future and then maybe I can add it to the show notes and we can figure out what Christine's favorite mystery pens are. Although there's a lot of really nice (laughs) rollerballs out there. And yeah, moleskins can be great. I mean, I love how they come in like the little soft ones and all different colors and like they can be a very versatile product. I just did a notebook deep dive and I was like, I haven't even talked about moleskin on this podcast. So I did (laughs) during that. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Okay. So that's kind of your overview of planning rituals, how you transition from digital to analog. And I love your family calendar system. And so I want our listeners, and I honestly... We're, we're, we're moving like a mile, like we're setting up our new house and we're sort of in the process. I want your calendar system. Like I'm going to oh copy gosh, this. Exactly. So, <laughs> so feel free to be as detailed as you want because I'm taking notes. Okay. Well, so here is the situation, which is I'm sure one that is not unique to my family at all. And actually we, we came across, across this system a few years ago. So my kids are six and a half years apart. So they've always, you know, been at different developmental play, uh, stages, but that's a, actually a bigger deal when you know, they were a little bit younger. But so we were at a point when, you know, we had all manner of family things to schedule. I am a very digital planner. 
my husband notoriously will not respond to my calendar invites. It's kind of a running joke for us. <laughs> he is not like, we were not the people who were going to sign up for Cozy. Like that was just never going to happen. He won't even accept my Google calendar invites. So we needed some kind of paper version. And he suggested like an old school piece, like an old school calendar, sure. But we found that like having like just a month in front of us wasn't quite enough. And so we decided to sketch out like a using a big piece of poster board, like the kind you get at Staples or your local drugstore in the stationary aisle. We just started blocking out an actual calendar. But of course, because I go into like thrifty mode, I'm like, well, I want to get as many squares on there as I can. So I literally measure it out. So I think the squares are each like two and a half by three inches, like kind of business card size. And if you do that and you rotate it so that it's horizontal, I no landscape, not horizontal. No, up and down, whatever that is. <laughs> portrait. This portrait. is portrait. Thank you. If you put it in portrait mode, I believe you can get 13 weeks in that calendar. So we can see an entire quarter at a time. And it's kind of amazing, actually. But the big realization, and this was great and will be really relevant for your listeners who have younger kids, was that this was super helpful to release me, the mom, the chief organizer, the holder of most of the calendar invites from being the gatekeeper to the calendar. And when my younger one was really little and like wasn't writing, you know, she could visually look, you know, we code it with like a purple heart or something because her name is Violet. If it was a Violet thing, she would be able to actually look at the calendar and see what was hers, right? So it was just, it was very transformative for me because I probably, like most moms, I take too much on. I'm responsible for too many things. Even just this morning, there's a birthday party on the calendar and I asked my husband, oh, do you want me to wrap that? And he's like, no, well, we got it because <laughs> I'm not even going to be here. So I just think it's a good letting go exercise to let your family be involved in the whole planning process. And it helps you also realize that the family calendar is a real system. Everybody's busyness impacts everybody else. And that's really important. I love it. For us, I think it would be incredibly functional because we both have call schedules and like there has to be a lot of planning ahead for childcare, which we do, but it's in my personal calendar. So my husband doesn't like visually see that. And I think I actually kind of like when I'm hearing you, I'm like, well, maybe I want to have the current 13 weeks and then the next 13 weeks, because then you're kind of aware of like what vacations are coming up and like what you might have to like plan for. And it's all just like out in front of you. So nobody can miss it. I just I think that's so cool. And I want to do something like that. Yeah. And it's fun to your like, you know, digital versus analog thing. It's fun to for me, actually, weirdly, I like making the calendar now, even though you know, it takes, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes. It's not that hard. But then, you know, my kids will decorate the edges and people will decorate the squares that are a birthday or something like that. And it just, it makes it a little bit more of a like, oh, hey, we're all involved here in this household <laughs> and this crazy schedule. I love it. We are going to take a quick ad break and we will be right back. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. 
No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com slash plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50 at factormeals.com slash plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. You are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes in part from Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and this is the perfect gift to treat all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed easier than it's ever been before. Think minimalist and effortless, yet totally refined. This season, I am so into the beautiful dresses that Jenny Kane has on offer. My personal pick and what I'm hoping to wear all season is the Callan dress. I have it in the khaki color and feel like I could literally wear it to anything. And the best part is it's perfect for warm weather, which we have plenty of, but you could also layer it in a chilly air-conditioned space. I also have my eye on the day dress. It's such a classic silhouette. One thing you might not know about Jenny Kane is that they also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase and joining is completely free. Find your perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS, P-L-A-N-S, at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code PLANS. Get yourself and the women in your life the best gift of all, Jenny Kane. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, we are back. Christine has shared about her calendar and I I'm sure she has inspired many of you because I totally want to do the same thing. And now I'm going to pivot and ask you a little bit about goal setting. And actually, I don't think we talked about this as much on the Mom Hour. So I'm just curious, like, what is your pattern of goal setting currently? Do you do them on a monthly basis, quarterly? Where do you store your goals? Do you talk about them with anybody? How does your personal goal setting work? Yeah, that's such a great question. And for somebody who is as process oriented as I am, it's probably a little surprising to hear that I don't have a super regimented approach to goals. And in fact, I had this moment last year. So last year was a little unusual for me, as it was for everybody. (laughs) But it was 2021, or maybe it was 20. I think in 2020, when the pandemic hit, I wrote a book proposal and then wrote an entire book that did not go anywhere. And I had a terrible experience with agents. And so the next year I decided into 2021, I decided, you know what? I don't need to think about a book right now. I think I'm going to set one goal for the year. (laughs) I had all these projects, so I didn't have any like big plans, but I was like, I'm going to try to see if I can write one major media byline. Had no idea how to do it. Really, like literally no idea talked to a few writer friends about it. And 
my first piece, I basically relied, had to get a little vulnerable and asked a writer friend of mine and said, would you one, be willing to read the piece? So that really puts the onus on her, I must say. And then two, if you'd like it, would you be willing to broker an intro to your editor so that my piece can sort of float up to the giant stack of things? And that led to my first piece at the Washington Post. And then all of a sudden, there was this like cascading effect where I got on the radar of Boston Globe Magazine and CNN. And so I wrote a huge slew of articles. And so as I was closing out last year, and I I apologize if this is a little long-winded, but my point is that you can have a goal it can go in a completely different trajectory than you had anticipated. I had never anticipated. I, my goal was one article. I think I wrote close to 20 last year on top of all these other things that I was doing. And so when I came to the close of last year, I said to myself, I don't need any more cookies. Like I've done a lot of things. <laughs> I've accomplished a lot of things. I want to keep doing good work. And actually, the thing I was most thinking about was this podcast transition with my co-host leaving. And I thought to myself, I want to just try to stay really grounded and focused on, you know, just creating good work. And true to form, at the end, very end of the year, I had this idea to, I read Stephen King's on writing book and all of a sudden had an idea to start free writing every day. And hence a new goal that I hadn't even thought of appeared out of nowhere. So I guess my point is, I'm rather organic with the process, but I don't think that's a bad thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it sounds like so many good things have happened in part because you held your goals loosely, right? Like it wasn't like you're saying, oh, goals are stupid. Like I'm not going to make any goals, but it was like, okay, that goal didn't work. Let me, let me dip into something. Oh, it went in this direction. Let me take it. Let me dip into something else. Like, and you're right. It has paid off amazingly. And your career has definitely done some really cool and interesting things. And I hope you keep writing more pieces for newspapers and such. Oh, well, I have the one ones that just, I've read have been wonderful. Oh, thank you. Well, I have one that just I saw just saw a Google alert that it just went live today. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yay! But um, I think but I will say that I do have a Google Doc that is actually called something like Christine Co Master Creative Plan. And that is my brain dump document where if even if I don't have time to really think about an idea, but I have an idea, I'll toss the ideas in there. And then when I have quiet time, in, in an ideal world, I would have a creative visioning session with myself every week or every other week or once a month. I haven't quite managed to figure out how to do that. But every now and then I do go into that document and think, okay, what were the things that I really cared about the last time I was in this document? And what are the, what are the things I care about now? And I just, I do try to stay in the now with what I'm working on. I love it. I didn't know about the document. So that's, that's really interesting. I do think there's something to be said about that, like intentional planning retreat type thing. And I don't always get to them either, but I try to at least every like quarter or quintile. And it really does help you change direction sometimes or let go of things and kind of figure out where your priorities are. So that's really cool. All right. My last question, and I have a feeling this is something many of us have dealt with. 2022 has been really weird. (laughs) I mean, it's had some really big positives. I'm in Florida. So my COVID experience and your COVID experience are probably fairly different. And we've been living, you know, a lot closer to quote unquote normal here this year than we Mm -hmm. have in a long time. But in a way, there's, I don't know, there's been some weird like after effects that have made a lot of things stressful. And I know that I personally had a very rocky start to this year. I think it was sort of like, you know, you're in this pandemic mode for so long. And then like, once you come out, you like have to address things that you were maybe not thinking about so hard because you were in like pandemic survival mode. I don't know. 
But if this applies to you at all, and I think maybe it does because I listened to Edit Your Life and it sounds like, you know, there's been lots of deep stuff going on with everyone. What are your kind of techniques that you go to when things get utterly stressful? Like, do you reevaluate your plans? Do you take a break from your plans? Do you plan differently? I'm interested in how you kind of take your personal direction when things get tough. This is a fantastic question. And it's one that I imagine, as you said, this has been a hard, I mean, it's been a hard couple of years. Um, So if I had to characterize my planning, I would say it is and with a little bit longer term, it is planning with forgiveness. And what I mean by that is I do like to be committed to things, but I tend to be a little curmudgeonly about, and some people need an approach where they're like, I'm going to do this thing daily. And if I don't do it daily, I'm out. That to me sets me up for failure because life happens and I don't need to self-flagellate over anything. So whether it was participating in Yoga with Adrian's 30-Day Yoga Challenge or my daily writing practice, I always remain committed to it, but I just know I'm not going to possibly do it every day. So for example, Yoga with Adrian, she does this January 30-Day Challenge. Things come up, like we went skiing one weekend, and that was a huge deal to make it through without a COVID cancellation on that. So I was committed to being on the slopes and not doing yoga. It meant that I finished at the end of the first week of February, but I finished. So it's better, it's like better done than perfect, you know? And with the writing challenge, I've, or not, I don't want to call it a challenge, a practice. I've committed to writing on average 1,000 words a day. So that means that sometimes I write over that, sometimes I write under that, some days I miss it. Like I know actually as of today's recording, I'm going to be missing it tomorrow, and that's fine. I do have a spreadsheet tracking it all. And I am at like, I'm definitely over the 1000 word average. But the point is like, I just feel like everything is so hard right now that if you can build in degrees of freedom to give yourself a little forgiveness and space, I just feel like you'll enjoy the planning and the process more. Love it. I personally do not like streaks. Like I find them Laura is like the queen of streaks and it's like amazing what she's done. (laughs) If I find myself accidentally making a streak, I will actually purposely mess it up because I don't (laughs) want the pressure of the streak. Take the pressure off the wordle streak. (laughs) So I'm I'm with you. Yes, exactly. I'll be like, well, I'm using a different device today. So there's my streak. I don't have to worry about it. (laughs) So yes, 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 yes. Holding your your goals gently or you Mm -hmm. said with with forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Well, this has been such a pleasure, Christine. Do you have any, I don't know, parting words or love of the week you want to share in addition to, of course, telling everybody where they can find you? Sure. I guess I would just say that as you are planning and and going through your busy life, to just think about the tiny little things around you that will make you smile, will give you joy, will feel really good. I'm actually going to about going to rep record an episode about tiny acts of of self-love for Edit Your Life soon, because I think that, again, while everything is so hard, we need those little small things to tap into that really feel good to us. And there are, my my feeling is there are a lot of things right around all of us. We just kind of lose sight of them. So I would just encourage you to incorporate that into your planning, little tiny moments of self-love. So I guess that's where I'll leave that. But you can find me at christineco.com and on on the social places, I'm Dr. Christine Co. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on, Christine. Oh, thanks so much, Sarah. 
Well, that was so much fun. I truly enjoyed chatting with Christine, as you could probably tell. And I hope that you got a lot out of our conversation. I will try to link to the things that she mentioned in the show notes. And as always, you can reach me at my blog, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com, where you can leave comments, questions, anything related to this episode on that day's show notes. Or you can also email me. Um, my contact is on my website or just go to shoebox blog, S-H-U-B-O-X-B-L-O-G at gmail.com and contact me there. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.